Hi there, it's Jillian, and I want to tell you about Jillian on Love Plus, your way to get even more Jillian on Love each week by subscribing on Apple Podcasts or Patreon. You can access exclusive bonus episodes with extras, including answers to your most burning questions, advice on all things dating and relationships, and much more. Check out the link in the episode description for more information. Hi there, this is Jillian on Love, and I'm on a mission to teach people how to transform their romantic relationships by first transforming the relationship they have with themselves. So whether you are in a relationship, you're single, or you're heartbroken, I've got you covered. I'm Jillian Trecky, certified relationship coach and teacher with over 20 years experience helping people transform their relationship with themselves through their bodies, breaths, and minds. I have now coached and taught thousands of people to become better versions of themselves and change the way they show up for and within their love lives. In today's episode, I discuss the tough conversations, the hard conversations, what they actually are, why they're so important, and how to have them. I recently did a post on Instagram that for lack of a better way to describe it went completely viral and I've been seeing just a bunch of people all over sharing it and sharing their interpretations of it, doing it in reels and whatnot. And I think that obviously it's very important and I'm just going to read it here because this is really what I'll be discussing. I said, people avoid uncomfortable conversations to keep the peace. But peace isn't the goal of a relationship. Love is. And when we love someone, we have the hard conversations in service of that love. And what I wrote in the captions was, so many times I tried to avoid conversations that I thought might rock the boat. I wrote that because it's true. And I think that it's very true that so many people do this. They are afraid of what's going to be on the other side of that conversation. A lot of people with attachment wounding will avoid the hard conversations because they're afraid that it might lead to the end of the relationship. But, you know, we're all human and people avoid it again because they don't want to rock the boat. They want to keep the peace. And they think, and this is certainly true for me, and I know it's true for thousands of people. No, millions of people, I would say. I do think that there are millions of people who avoid the hard conversations. We just weren't taught this. We think that we're keeping the peace in the relationship, but what we're actually trying to do is maintain some sort of peace within ourselves. Although the paradox is that it doesn't create peace inside of ourselves. It is a band-aid of avoidance that keeps things at the status quo, what we think is the status quo. So then we don't have to respond to any need in the moment. I think these hard conversations have to be from day one of dating someone, which I will get to some examples of those in a moment. And obviously when you first start seeing someone, you don't love them. But part of loving ourselves is having these uncomfortable conversations so that we don't go into avoidance and band-aid anything that needs to be discussed. We don't 
quiet ourselves. We don't avoid the truth of whatever it is that we may or may not be getting into. So it really is not only an act of service of the love that we have for someone and with someone, but it is how we actually love ourselves. And then I go on to write in the caption, but what I have come to learn after many years of working with people and studying relationships is that we have to be willing to ask the difficult questions and listen to the answers that might be harder to hear. We do this in service of the relationship. We do this in service of ourselves. And we do it leading with telling the truth, care, and vulnerability, because no relationship is worth keeping if we have to lie to keep it. And this is so important. One does not have to be a liar to lie. We all lie. And sometimes we tell these little white lies because to tell the truth in certain circumstances would actually be devastating. But if we have to withhold our truth or prevent ourselves from seeing the truth, then we again, we become master avoiders. And this is when it doesn't matter if your attachment style is anxious. This is how we become avoidant. And I think that sometimes we have conversations that we want to have right away, right? We want to like, this isn't just about like having an argument with someone and then not wanting to go to bed angry and then feeling really anxious and then wanting to have the conversation right now because you want it to be fixed. This is not about that. This is about conversations that two people who are seeing each other, thinking of sleeping together or in a relationship with one another. These are conversations that need to be had in order to have transparency, in order to have boundaries, and in order for each other's expectations and needs to be known. And the truth is, the people who really avoid these conversations, they might be able to stay in a relationship, but they will not be fulfilled in that relationship. And then the people who are willing to have the hard conversations many times can save a relationship that's dying. And so we have these hard conversations because this is how, I mean, look, it takes incredible courage to be in a relationship and to make a relationship work. And sure, it doesn't take as much courage as it does for some people than it does for others. But if we weren't taught this, if we fear the end of a relationship, if we don't have the language to describe our experience of something because we just have not practiced and we haven't learned and thus practiced how to communicate in a way that's truthful, that's leading with love and care, and that's also vulnerable. These are the things that we need to challenge ourselves to get better at and to improve on if we want to have healthy, fulfilling relationships with others and a healthy and fulfilling relationship with ourselves. And I think that having these hard conversations, having the conversations that we would rather not have because it is more comfortable not to have them, 
these are the conversations I'm talking about. And like I said, this does apply to all relationships, not just romantic. And it does apply to a situationship. Because the thing about it is that without these conversations, without this kind of communication, two people who are in some sort of relationship with one another will then rely on their assumptions, projections, and stories about each other. And a lot of the times these assumptions and projections and stories we have are, like I said, they're projections and they're stories. And we can be quite imaginative when we are in our heads creating a movie script about the other person and about the situation. And then we get lost in the script and we start to feel all this negative emotion. We start to feel resentful. We start to feel scared. Some of us start to completely overanalyze everything about the other person and their behavior. Did they mean this? Did they mean that? And it drives us crazy and it's very, very sabotaging to our mental health. And it definitely is sabotaging to a relationship. It's never a good thing. And for example, if you were considering ending your relationship, and especially if it's an important relationship, that is a big decision. Sometimes that decision is so big that we need to take time to self-reflect and we need to have sometimes several conversations with the person who we are thinking of exiting the relationship with. And I don't think we should end it. I mean, obviously, if it's an abusive situation, a terrible situation, that goes without say. But if it's, again, a very important relationship and you just are feeling, I don't know, like your needs are not getting met and you just don't know if it's right, you can't end that and feel good about that decision without the important conversations. I mean, the amount of times that I've worked with people where their relationship was really on the edge and they were, it was on the edge because there was an elephant in the room that they weren't pointing out. And again, we're just not taught this, hence why I'm teaching it. And it's really important. We have to make whatever elephant has entered the room, we have to make it disappear. This episode is brought to you by Miracle Made. Did you know that your temperature at night can have one of the greatest impacts on your sleep quality? I know it does for me. If I am too hot, I have insomnia. That's just all there is to it. And also being too cold will keep you up. I think it's very, very important to have it be just right. And it has to work for you. So if you wake up in the middle of the night too hot or too cold, I highly recommend you check out Miracle Maid's bed sheets. They are inspired by NASA and they use silver infused fabrics and make temperature regulating bedding so incredible. So you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. And also Bed sheets have a lot of bacteria in them, like a lot, and it could lead to pimples, <laughs> it can lead to a stuffy nose, it can lead to headaches. And so Miracle Made offers a whole line of self-cleaning, eco-friendly bedding, such as sheets, pillowcases, and comforters that prevent 99% of bacteria 
and require three times less laundry. Not only that, Miracle Made sheets are luxuriously comfortable. Seriously, without the crazy high price tag of other luxury brands. And they feel as nice, if not nicer than bed sheets used by some five-star hotels. So stop sleeping on bacteria and try Miracle Made Sheets because it's really, honestly, very worth it. Go to trymiracle.com slash Jillian to try Miracle Made Sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or you decide to gift them to a loved one, if you actually order today, you could save over 40% off. And if you use our promo Jillian at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product. It's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you are not 100% satisfied, you'll get a free refund, which I love. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash Jillian and use the code Jillian to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash Jillian to treat yourself. What are some examples of hard conversations? I'm going to start with sex. And first I'm going to talk about the hard conversations when you first start seeing someone before you have sex with them. And then the hard conversations when you've married a partner for a long time and things come up. I really believe, and some of you may know this already from previous podcast episodes, I really believe that when people start dating, when adults start dating, that part of being a responsible adult is having your own back, being an advocate for your boundaries and your expectations and your heart, and to have the conversation about sex with someone before you sleep with them. If more people talked about sex before they actually jumped into bed with each other, there would be a lot less situationships, hence a lot less broken hearts. There would be a lot less relationship trauma and confusion because not everyone views sex the same way. Not everyone, when they have sex, forms an emotional bond with someone. And everyone is entitled to do with their bodies that they want to do. Sex positivity doesn't mean that we ignore the fact that having sex with someone can complicate feelings. And it changes the dynamic. And it really, people have various expectations when it comes to having sex. And if you're not having that conversation about your expectations with someone, and they're not having it with you, then that's a problem. You're going to likely run into problems. And a note that I will say separate to sex, we cannot build or sustain a healthy, high-functioning relationship without having difficult conversations. So it's one thing if your partner is sort of avoiding a difficult conversation or having a hard time being expressive in a difficult conversation. That's something you can work with, which I'll get to soon. It's quite another thing being in a relationship or trying to be in a relationship with someone who 
refuses to have difficult conversations. And what I will say is that if you are starting to date someone and you're like, I'm going to really step up, I'm going to start these conversations, this is my standard for myself, the price of entry into my life is you have to be an adult and you have to be adult enough to have conversations about sex, love, money, commitment. You know, like these are the things we have to be able to talk about these things. It's not like we need to talk about it all the time. I don't recommend that. That can be a real pain in the butt. You got to have some fun. But these are the things that need to be discussed. And so if someone can't even do that with you, if they're too immature to do that with you, if they're too avoidant of the situation to do that with you, then you can't get into a relationship with them. They're basically telling you right off the bat what it's going to be like to be in a relationship with them. And this is why it's so important. And we can't be that person. We have to be the person in a relationship who says, yeah, I will have the hard conversations with you. Like that's part of my brand, (laughs) for lack of a better word to describe. It's just the first word that popped into my mind. That's part of my branding. Like I'm going to have the hard conversations and it's going to be hard for me, but I'm going to really do my best. And so that has to be the price of entry. So when it comes to sex, I know for a fact there would be a lot less heartbreak. And the way that you would bring it up if you just started dating someone, there's a lot of different things. If you're someone who attaches quickly and strongly when you have sex with someone, then your boundary and your communication has to be, hey, you know, sex is really meaningful to me. And as much as I would love to just jump your bones right now and to have this amazing night with you. I'm in a place in my life where I really need commitment and monogamy before I take it to that level. So what do you think? And that's it. That's what you say. And you can also say, because when I do sleep with someone, I kind of have an expectation that like, we're going to go to the next level, like we're going to talk every day. Like if we're sleeping together, I expect that we're touching base every day. If we're sleeping together, my expectation is that we're not seeing anyone else. Personally, I just want to sleep with one person and I want the person who I'm sleeping with to only be sleeping with me. And you can say that. You have to say that. You have to be willing to risk the person saying no or the person being like, I'm not ready. But you got to stand your ground with that because if you can't have your own back, You're the only one who can have your back in dating, not this stranger. And so you just keep it very simple and it's confident. Confidence is very attractive. And then it might lead into a conversation. They might say, well, you know, that's not what I think, but I'm willing to wait. I'd like to get to know you better before I make that kind of commitment to you. So maybe we should just spend some more time together to see if we evolve. And then you can suss it out and be like, okay, that's fair. I guess he's not ready for that level of commitment. I'm not ready to have sex until commitment. Maybe we need to spend a little bit more time together. I mean, it's only been three dates after all, you know, that's the kind of thing. So again, it's not just, oh, I communicated. So now everything is settled. When you communicate a boundary, which is what I just gave an example of, you have to give the person a chance to kind of react to that, to respond to that, I should say. And then 
Because all relationship is really about negotiation. You negotiate like what works, okay. You come to an agreement that you're both comfortable with. And that's how it goes. What's probably harder is when we're in a relationship and let's just say we're either not having the type of sex that we want to be having or as much sex as we'd like to be having. And it's hard because we want to bring that up to our partner. But of course, if we bring it up in a complaining way, even if it's just even a little bit of a complaint, like always bringing up the absence of sex is not actually what's going to make someone want to have more sex with you, right? Because then it's like, you're just pointing the elephant in the room. See, we're not having sex. We're not having sex. We're not having sex. It's like, no, let's have a conversation about it. So let's just say, you want more intimacy. And then you can say, you know, I I love you so much. Remember, you're leading with the truth. You're leading with love and you're leading with vulnerability. And you can say, I love you so much and I want to feel closer to you. And one of the ways I feel closer to you is through sex. And I've noticed that we just haven't been connecting in that way. Do you feel that too? Is there something that you think that we could be doing differently? Do we need to schedule it if you have kids? And you can say, is there something that you want to say to me about this that's been really hard for you to say? Because I'm all ears. Not easy. I mean, I even like build up a little bit of a sweat just saying that because, you know, I'm really putting myself in that situation. I'm putting myself in your shoes if you're in that situation. And it's not easy, but it's so necessary. This episode is brought to you by AG1. I gave AG1 a try because I was really tired of taking supplements and wanted a single solution that would support my entire body and well-being and cover my nutritional basis for the day. I also wanted just better gut health, immune system support, just all the stuff that we really want to do to make ourselves look and feel better. And I really do not like taking pills and vitamins. And I wanted something that tasted good. I wanted something that dissolved in water and I wanted something easy. I drink AG1 in the morning before I start my day and it makes me feel really good. Gives me energy. It helps with my gut issues. It's just very, very helpful. So all you have to do is mix like a scoop in water and drink it first thing and it tastes good. And again, all your nutritional bases are covered. Since I've been drinking AG1, I have noticed that I am more focused. I have noticed, as I said, that my digestion's improved. And I really have noticed my energy level not dipping at the end of the day, which I love. So why take a bunch of different things when you can just mix one scoop of powder in water once a day? By the way, every scoop of AG1 is packed with 75 vitamins, minerals, probiotics, and high-quality whole food-sourced ingredients that boost my energy, improve my mood, and really helps with hair, skin, and nails, which I love. So AG1 is a science-driven formulation, and it will help you build your health and foundation first. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash Jillian on love. 
That's drinkag1.com slash Jillian on love. Check it out. If you are wanting things to be different in the bedroom, then you can just guide them gently. Guide the person gently. I really love it when you do this. I feel most connected to you when we do this. I really prefer this. I need us to slow down. Slowing down is what actually turns me on. I'm concerned that you're not really as into it as I am. Sometimes I feel like you're not really present when we are being intimate. And it hurts when I don't feel your presence. It's like you're here, but you're not here. And I really need that from you. Is there something going on with you that's made it so that's very hard? You seem really in your head. So I am of the belief that you lead with the truth, you lead with honesty, you lead with love and respect, you lead with vulnerability, but it doesn't mean that you're not direct. Leading with the truth, love and respect and vulnerability and still be very, very honest and direct. And I think it's best to be direct. Money. Money is a very delicate subject because it brings into question the idea of privacy. How much a person earns is private. And so It can be tricky when you are considering marrying someone, for example, and that's sort of been private. Or if you're dating someone and you're discussing like maybe moving in together or going on your first vacation together and you just don't know how much the other person makes. You don't know if they make more than you, if they make less than you, what you should be putting in, in terms of what you should be contributing. So money makes people very funny. And it's really, really difficult conversation. And so I always suggest just name it. Name how awkward it is. And you can just say, I know this is really, really awkward. I'm really excited to go on this trip together. I just want you to know that this is where my, you don't have to say how much you make. You say, this is my finances and this is actually all that I can contribute. And I don't know if you can contribute more or less, but I know this is a really uncomfortable conversation, but we have to have the conversation anyway, right? I think also really important, and what I know to be a very important conversation around money is, you know, money means different things to different people. Some people, their belief system around money is is all about security, right? It's about saving for the future and having stability and security. And other people see money as freedom, the freedom to travel and to have new experiences and to not have to, I don't know, work all day long for some people. And so I think, particularly in the early dating stages, it's wise to have the conversation. You can simply just ask, what does money mean to you? Like, what was the belief system that you were raised with around money? Like, were you raised that it doesn't grow on trees or that it does grow on trees? And then you share about yourself. You could say, I'm very conservative with money. I'm not really a big spender. I've had to support myself for many years. I really think about saving for the future. What do you think? Because I think that even though you don't have to be exactly the same about money, you both have to understand what it means to each of you 
and to see if, especially in dating, if there's an alignment there. And I think that throughout the course of a relationship, every couple should be sitting down once a week, but not more, and talking about finances, how it's being spent. You know, and that's another thing. It can be very, very tricky because some people, it's not just about privacy about how much they make, it's privacy about what they spend. And so I think one of the most difficult conversations, but important conversations, is to discuss with your potential or current sweetie <laughs> what kind of conversations should we have about finances? Like, how transparent are we going to be about this? Because I've seen this destroy marriages where people were spending in a way that was not right for the other person. And then they got in their heads and started creating meanings. And then secrets started to evolve from that. I've seen the most amount of secrets and lies transpire and come up around money and people not being transparent with each other talking about money. So I think that my recommendation is to really get transparent about that. What does it mean to you? This is what it means to me. This is how I like to spend. How do you like to spend? The thing about these hard conversations is that throughout the course of a relationship, from first date to however long that relationship lasts, it's a series of many different conversations that might be uncomfortable. And what I want to encourage each and every one of you is just to be open to them. Another example of a hard conversation is the conversation of asking for more. Whether that's asking for more commitment, whether that's asking for more love and time together, whether that's asking for more communication. And when it comes to commitment, let's just say you're in a situationship and you're the one who wants more. They're the one who has one foot in, one foot out. And so therefore, there is a large imbalance of power between the two of you. Because as long as you want more and someone else wants less, it is not an even playing ground. You have to make the ground even. You have to make the field very even by saying very directly, I love spending time with you. You might even say, I love you. You might say, I think you're great. I think these are all the reasons that we could be great together. But I've let this go on too long without there being any clarity. And in order for me to continue seeing you, I need clarity. I need a label. I need more commitment. I need this to be more of a joint effort of us building something together. And if that's not where you're at, or if that's just not where you're at with me, that's going to suck. And it's not something that I want to hear, but you have to tell me. I want you to tell me. I'm open for you telling me the truth. <laughs> that would be like an A plus in communication. Again, it's asking hard questions and being willing to listen to the answers that might be harder to hear. Because what's so important is that you don't approach it with you are the problem, right? Because leading with love, leading with honesty, leading with vulnerability is never leading with you are the problem. It's you coming to the table with a collaborative 
mindset and also the kind of mindset that's going to be very, very clear about where your boundaries are, right? It depends if you're in a relationship with someone versus just starting out with them. But you just have to say, this is what I've noticed. This is the pattern I've noticed. This is the rut that I've noticed that we're in. I'm sure you've noticed it too. I would love for us to be more connected. What do you think? So how you begin the conversation is so important. You don't just say, hey, by the way, I feel very disconnected from you. You're always on the phone. You're always doing this. That's just going to create a lot of disconnect. Again, this is all about being courageous enough to be vulnerable while also being very direct and truthful. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A hard but necessary conversation that I believe every couple should have before they move on to a deeper level of commitment, whether that's moving in together, whether that's engagement, whether that's deciding to be a couple when they've just been dating is to say, what does commitment look like to you? Because as a couple, you need to consult with your level of commitment to one another. You have to get aligned first on your views of what it means to be in a relationship with one another, what it means to have a partnership with one another. You know, how willing are you two willing to go to not break up? How accessible is the back door going to be? And I think this is a conversation that needs to be had before you take things to the next level. How far are you willing to go to make it so that you two can work it out when you enter a rough patch? Are you going to be willing to go to couples counseling? Are you going to be willing to do your individual coaching or therapy? Just how far are you willing to go? Have this conversation. It is so important. The next conversation, I think, is one of the most difficult ones to have that I've have. It's one of the most difficult things to hear from a partner. It's one of the most difficult things to discuss. But when you're in a relationship with someone of any sort and you love them and you care about them and you see that they are not taking care of themselves, they're not taking care of themselves physically, they're not taking care of themselves psychologically, emotionally, and they're in a rut that keeps lasting and maybe they're over-relying on you to make them happy Maybe they've become very indifferent, unmotivated. They're not trying anymore. They're not growing anymore. This is a very common conundrum that people face inside of a relationship. And it's difficult because you care so much about this person. But at the same time, your attraction is starting to decline because they're not actually doing what it is that they almost non-verbally agreed to do. 
And so what do we do when we see our partner off their path? I think we have to talk to them about it. I think that a love language is calling out our partner when they have gone off their path. And look, it really depends on the relationship. It depends on the circumstances. Obviously, the things that I share here are general to apply to many different circumstances. But this conversation could look something like, I love you for you, not for what it is that you do. But something that I have noticed is that you haven't been taking care of yourself lately. And I'm wondering what that's about. What's going on for you? That's one way to do it. Another way that you can say it is, I've noticed that you've been having a really hard time lately and I really want to be there for you. How can I help you help yourself? Because the chronic stress that you've been under has been really impacting us. And I love us too much to just sit back and watch you do this. So you need to tell me how I can support you in this, but there has to be a change. Again, vulnerable, resolute, leading with love. And, you know, always give the person you care about the benefit of the doubt. You know, it's one thing if it's been going on and on, but if it's just the first conversation, have some compassion. We're all here trying to do the best that we can. And like I said, these hard conversations that we would really rather not have, you know, and I know that there's so many more, just remember, you don't want to go in judging. You don't want to go in controlling. You don't want to go in blaming. You want things to be better. And in order for things to be better, you have to rise up and step up speak the truth, and create an environment where someone can speak the truth to you as well. This is not easy. This is not easy, and you might mess up many times. I know I have, and you might get angry. I know I have. But like I said earlier, what's most important is that when we get in our heads when we try to keep the peace, when we try to orchestrate a particular outcome of getting chosen by someone because we're really attracted to them and we want to be in a relationship, when we're tiptoeing around a situation because we just don't want the relationship to struggle or suffer at all, we really are putting a Band-Aid on something that is in the long run, going to present a lot of long-term discomfort. We have these conversations in the service of the love that we have with someone. So it's not about us. It's not about them. It's about the relationship. And when you're dating, you do it in service of you, honestly. And you also do it in service of the potential relationship that you can build with someone. You're setting a precedent. You're raising your self-esteem while you're doing this as well. And you are letting the person know, this is what it's going to be like to be in a relationship with me. And you're learning what it's like to be in a relationship with them. 
So don't avoid this stuff. Anyway, I hope this helped and I would love to hear from you. If you could email hello at jillianonlove.com and let me know if you've gotten the courage and had one of these difficult conversations. And if you did, I'm I think you should be very proud of yourself and I want to hear how it went. Again, none of this is easy. Trust me, I've avoided these two. This is just the things that really are the needle movers in a relationship. Again, it's not just the willingness to have the hard conversation because that's huge in and of itself. It's really practicing having them with care. And that's the thing that we need to learn and to practice. Another key point that's important to make about these difficult conversations is that just the thought of having them can generate a lot of anxiety for most of us. And our attachment wounding can come up as a result of it. We could want to avoid it. We could want to accelerate these conversations because we're anxious. And not only just our attachment wounding, but just conditioning in general. If we are, for example, wanting to seal the deal when we started seeing someone because we've been told that if someone isn't choosing you right away, that they're not for you. And then that might generate an anxiety in you wanting to talk about it, wanting to talk about propelling the relationship forward. And then someone else might have some ambivalence about that and then pulls back a little bit. So these hard conversations, the thought of them can be incredibly triggering. And they can be incredibly dysregulating for the nervous system. Regardless of conditioning and attachment styles, when we become very anxious at the thought of having these conversations, we can definitely go into a little mini or even a large fight or flight. And then we can become very, very dysregulated and our impulse to run or to freeze or to shut down or to control all the things that we do, and some of us do all of them, depending on what the trigger is, start to come up. And so that's why it's really important that we have to learn how to be more present in these conversations. And that means it's trying to calm down. Sometimes I suggest that people have these difficult conversations on a walk, because sometimes having the combination of moving our bodies while we're talking can be very stabilizing for some people. Where I see people have the most difficulty and they are confronted with the most fear when it comes to having these difficult conversations is specifically around the life cycle of a relationship. So that begins like when you first start dating someone the kind of conversations you need to have, like I mentioned around having sex and children and all that. But what about the transitions? Like transitioning, early dating into more commitment and then transitioning more commitment to full-blown commitment, then maybe to marriage, right? So there is a life cycle to a relationship. And many of us can feel very anxious around that. We want it to go fast. And yes, that is definitely someone who has more of an anxious attachment style, but it's not just attachment style. Remember, that is only one lens among many through which we can view the complexity of relationship 
and the complexity of how various conditioning has impacted the way that we operate and think inside of relationships. Very common for women of a certain age, for example, to want things to go quickly because there's a biological clock. There's a belief system that says, if I'm not being chosen, if you're not moving mountains for me, if you're not wanting this as much as I want it, then clearly something is wrong. Whereas that might be true in the beginning, we have to leave some space for ambivalence. Can't rush someone into committing to you three weeks in, right? That's obviously different if you've been seeing each other a very long time. So these difficult conversations are not just about asserting oneself. They're about opening the door and creating an invitation and inviting a conversation in which there might be difficult things to negotiate. There might be hard things to hear. And so again, it takes a lot of courage. And so in the beginning, it can be tricky in the beginning stages. You can say, this is what I want. Do you want this too? And then someone can say, yeah, well, I do want a relationship, but it's really early. And I feel like I need a little bit more time to see if we are really right for each other. And that can be to someone who's anxious for whatever reason and wanting to seal the deal, that can be incredibly dysregulating. And so in that moment, there is always a choice. There's the choice to try to convince someone. There's the choice to shut down. There's the choice to have just a little freak out. And we are called to, in that moment, take a deep breath, reflect on whether or not we are having this conversation from a place of anxiety or from a place of just true clarity and to just say, okay, maybe we do need a little bit more time here. And that can be hard, but it's about asking questions. It's like, okay, well, do you see that it could be something that you want? And someone could say, yeah, absolutely. You know, I just need a little bit more time. And then you can say to yourself and to them, okay, Maybe that's fair. I wish I could say that there's just one size fits all. But the reality is, is that the one size fits all is creating a space and dedicating yourself to a space in which it is okay to tell the truth and to hear the truth from someone, to negotiate boundaries, to allow for some ambivalence. And it might mean that there's too much ambivalence, right? There's always nuance here. But the difficult conversations are difficult by nature because they are going to demand of us to transcend our fear, to become ultra aware of when we want to react to something that we don't necessarily like and learn how to have a conversation that is filled with more listening than talking, telling the truth, right? So that's self-assertion, respecting boundaries, understanding boundaries, laying down boundaries, discussing expectations. The next stage, maybe you're 
in a relationship, but you're talking about moving in together. Then there's the difficult conversations about money and how much you're going to contribute versus someone else. Are you going to buy a home together? Whose name is going to be on the lease? What are going to be the roles inside the household? Because one of the worst things that couples can fight about is the dishes. It's just so silly. It's, you know what, sometimes you just got to be the person who does the dishes because you don't mind and the other person really doesn't like to do them, but they do other things, right? Or if it's within your means, you hire someone who can do the dishes a few days a week. But these are the conversations that you have to have. And then if it's moving towards marriage or even deeper commitment, it's you talk about children, you talk about if faith, religious faith is a part of your life or spirituality is a part of your life, whatever your religious and spiritual beliefs are, talk about that in terms of how you raise the children, how you're going to talk to your children about their faith. If culture is a big part of your relationship, then you talk about how you're going to raise the children in terms of your culture. If you're from two different cultures, what does that look like? It's all cards on the table, and they are usually the conversations that you would rather avoid or think, oh, it's all just going to work out. It's fine. We love each other. Love is not enough. Love is not a solution. You have the conversations, like I said, in the service of the love, not to try to keep the peace. And you leave, like I said, room for there to be negotiation and conversation. And yes, the thing that makes these conversations also very scary is you might discover that the two of you are not as aligned as you would like to be. And that might open up a can of worms that's going to be difficult, but you can't avoid it. And if you are dealing in these conversations with some sort of attachment, if you know that you have a proclivity towards anxious detachment, if you know that you have a proclivity towards shutting down and sort of avoidant, part of raising our consciousness, part of becoming more mature, part of doing the quote-unquote work, part of transcending our egos, is starting to become more conscious of our knee-jerk reactions that we have because of conditioning in our childhoods and starting to sit with the discomfort and learning how to have a conversation without going into default reaction mode. It's not easy. And that could look something like, oh, I realize I'm kind of anxious about this. I realize that I'm trying to propel and I'm trying to progress something forward faster than what is actually appropriate, or I'm not really quite sure. And you can say this to yourself, and I would encourage you to say that to the other person. Like, it might be that I am just anxious. And then the other person, you know, if someone's saying that to you, you say, I get it, but this is where I'm coming from, as hard <laughs> as it is to have these productive and effective conversations. There is a formula, and the formula is always breathe and listen more. Breathe, listen, 
ask questions, be present. And if you have a really hard time being present, you can say, I'm having a very difficult time being present right now. I need to like take a little time out. I need to go for a walk. Can we go for a walk and have this conversation at the same time? Do you mind if I look down? Everyone has different conversation styles. The point is to be very communicative and honest, leading with love, leading with the truth, and leading with vulnerability. And it takes practice. Don't expect it to be perfect. Expect to mess up. Expect to sometimes be scared. Expect for sometimes really old, hard things to maybe be stirred up inside of you. This is all okay. It's all part of the deal. But do it anyway. And that's where the courage comes in because if you avoid it, if you think it's just going to go away, if you think it's just going to work itself out, promise you it's not. So talk about it. So if this episode has resonated with you and you never know whose life you could be changing, whose love life you could be changing, whose relationship you could be saving just by clicking the share button. So please share this with anyone who you think could really use this and email me, reach out to me at hello at jillianonlove.com. Let me know if you've had a tough conversation. Let me know how that went. Give me the story. I'd love to read it. And I thank you for listening. Until next time. Jillian on Love is a Q Code production. Executive produced by David Henning and Steve Wilson. Produced by Shin Yin Hu. Editing and music by Will Tendy. Are you ready for the ultimate Love Island experience? Join us on After the Island. We're going back to where it all began, Fiji. Love Island USA Season 5 is making a splash on Peacock right now. And guess what? Your favorite recap show is back, too. Welcome to After the Island. Join us as real-life besties and co-hosts, Elizabeth and Alex, as we deep dive into each sizzling episode of Love Island USA. We'll spill the tea, interview contestants, answer fan questions, and give you unprecedented behind-the-scenes access to the wildly popular world of Love Island. Don't miss a single moment of the drama, romance, and unforgettable island vibes. Listen to After the Island on any streaming platform. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their cases had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible. And if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday.